welcome. You've got mail. Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of TechStream. My name is Seth Everett. I am the CEO of nothing, but Shelly Palmer is the CEO of the Palmer Group. And he is, of course, the fine co-host of this fine podcast. Hello, Shelly. How are you? I think you're the CEO of TechStream at this point, Seth. And, and we could give you some other CEO titles. I'll get, I'll get exec producer credits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s, when the X-Men became a worldwide phenomenon in the comic book realm, yeah. they were known as mutants. It was another way to talk about racism. Yep. DC felt left out. DC said, I want to have guys who have powers for no reason, just because they have powers. And Marvel said, we're going to trademark the word mutant. This wow. is way before Disney. This is when Marvel was a struggling company based in Manhattan. And DC was in a weird position because they're like, well, you know, one guy got struck by lightning and another guy's from Krypton. But what about these guys that we could just say have powers for no reason? Why don't we call them meta? Right. Oh, my God. They were meta humans. That's right. Meta humans. So now on the CW, which I know a lot of tech stream listeners watch the CW. And they on the CW, Grant Gustin and The Flash you know, every week they're fighting a different metahuman. Right. <laughs> Oliver Queen for eight years fought That's... metahumans. Uh-huh. So now my question is, what level of a DC villain is Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, well, he's got to be the, the <laughs> highest level. Like, I don't know how we grade metas, but if we're going to grade metas for evilness or, or you know, if we're... You know, the minute they announced that name, my brain went there. I had this intro planned. This is how dorky I am. As soon as Mark Zuckerberg says the word meta, I said, oh, I have a Marvel DC way to get this into text stream. So it's really funny. The the worlds we live in, you and I, I get a text when it's when it's announced from friends of ours in uh, Herzliya, Israel, where this monstrous tech center is. And one of my Israeli friends says, you know, in Hebrew, meta means dead. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to TechStream. We'll see you later. I was like, oh, this is just going to get better and better and better. But I think your story tops it, actually. What what meta villain, what meta is Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Look, they changed their company name. I could care less about that. Why didn't they change Facebook? Because by not changing Facebook, you are branding it with all the controversy. If you recreate, I don't care if you call it meta mutant X-Men, you could call the goddamn thing Wolverine for all I care. If you call it something else, you are saying out with the old in with the new, but it's still the same old Facebook. Well, first of all, let's be very, very clear. Mark Zuckerberg is still the CEO and chairman of meta. The corporate structure is completely intact. Nothing has changed. No senior leadership changes were announced, right? And the organization as writ large still serves roughly three out of four human beings who have access to the public internet. And the revenue is going to exceed, I don't know, 86, $88 billion this year, no matter what. So let's be clear, absolutely nothing, but the name of the holding company changed. It's And the idea that they're going to concentrate on the metaverse 
Here's the problem with that. Let's leave Facebook out of it for a second. We can go back and fa- Facebook okay. bash in a minute because I'm I'm always happy to it's, Facebook. It's not a question of bashing. It just that's what didn't make sense. Well, all right. Full disclosure: Facebook sponsors our innovation series summit every year. They're wonderful partners. We like all the people there. However, we will save our Facebook bashing for a moment. Let's talk about let's talk about the strategic approach. You're going to change your name to Meta because you're going to concentrate on the metaverse. <laughs> now, Seth, I want- I'll tell you, Lex Luthor, we're going to focus on the metaverse. So- <laughs> Sorry, I'll get over this. No, if you look in the mirror, you will see a human being that was not designed, it evolved. We have bad knees. We, we have things that we have remnants from from our evolution we have an appendix that we don't use anymore so about a third of the people on the planet have a muscle in their forearm that, that is no longer valuable like there's there's we evolve if you look at anything on the earth anything doesn't matter where you look whether it's a business whether it's a system whether it's a living being whether it no matter how it came to be if it was designed it became static and was usurped by something that it, that evolved from it. If it was initially designed, you don't design a world. The world evolves. What makes anyone think that they can have, they're smart enough to have a vision for what this will evolve into, what the metaverse will be, we don't know. What might it be? It might be a way for you and I to interact in a more interesting way, and I don't even know how to define that word interesting, across the public internet, maybe we have self-sovereign identity, maybe we have avatars, maybe we use augmented reality, maybe we use virtual reality, maybe it's a combination which people are calling either mixed or extended reality. So I think it's really hard for a human being with any level of humility to say that they have a vision of what this will actually turn into. And to design it, there are a lot of stories. Uh, I don't know if they're true or false, but they're they're in the they're old wives' tales in my world. And one of the cliche old wives' tales of the strategy world is if Henry Ford asked his customers what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. And that is to say that if your worldview is limited by the technology of the day, then if someone said to you, is a car interesting to you? And cars didn't go as fast as horses when they started. They were very dangerous. They were super noisy. Everyone thought it was a parlor trick, not a paradigm shift. And so would you have invested money in horses that were faster or had greater stamina or the ability to run for longer without or less food or whatever, or bigger and stronger? Or would you have invested in cars? And the answer is, by, you know, that that's the story everybody always tells. If I ask my customer, or if Henry Ford asked his customers what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. I don't know if that's true or false, Seth, but what I do know is that there is not a human being in the world saying, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would say, I want a, I want a metaverse. Like, <laughs> n- I don't know. Have you ever heard anybody go, wow, you know, if I could live in the metaverse, that'd be awesome. What's clear mm-hmm. is that the way that the internet works today and the way that it's going to work later is going to be different. And if anything tells me that more than the, the Texas led lawsuit against Google, where Facebook is in cahoots, they just let loose the redacted PDF file of this complaint 
which is a whole bunch of attorneys generals, uh, attorneys general of a bunch of states going after Google and in it are damning uh, deals made between Google and Facebook colluding to fix prices and use data in ways that would take every publisher that is not Google and Facebook and disadvantage them and also give Google somewhere between two and four times the fees that another publisher might be able or another exchange might be able to offer. This is, this is the world we're gonna get away from. So I don't know that Facebook or Google or any big tech company features prominently in what the evolution is. And I also don't know that it's, I don't know that it's clear that the metaverse ever really happens because these are not small companies. They have unlimited resources. They control vast amounts of the bandwidth and the tools that allow us to interact with one another. Are they really just going to turn over and play dead because none of us are happy with them? Uh, think again. There's a war coming. Is it going to be like Terminator where Skynet's going to kill you? No, it's going to be a war about things that most people don't understand. It's going to be a war about data sovereignty. It's going to be a war about all that's, you know, the, the kinds of things that people don't understand. Your credit score being uh, affected terribly by something that you may have done that wasn't so bad, but you have no way to change it because the system now believes you, you know, oh, you paid late. You're, we're going to take 200 points off your credit score. Now you can't get a job because your credit score is disadvantaged. All you did was miss, uh, not even miss a payment, just pay it late. And there's no one to go see that kind of stuff. People will rebel against over time. And Facebook at the moment is one of those things people will rebel against. Google right now is one of those things people will re rebel against. Will it happen later? I mean, your idea of meta and the, as a villain, you know, there we're fighting that I, it's right. I mean, I, I know you did it as a joke, but Seth, I, I think it's right. These are, companies that are have been left to do their own bidding in a world or in a realm to use some you know dc universe and marvel universe terminology they're in a realm most people do not understand and this is way worse than the average person believes that it is and most people will not their eyes glaze over when you start talking about data science and you start talking about you know what who what rights you have and privacy policies and have you ever met anybody that likes to go into their privacy settings and even understands what they should restrict and why they might want to restrict it. It's like, so people either do all or nothing. It's like, well, I don't want to, oh, I, don't, I want to be private. Why? Maybe you don't want to see relevant ads. Well, I do want to see relevant ads. Okay. So then you don't want to be totally private. Well, but this is too hard to understand. I've never met a person who said to me, oh, these are the right privacy settings for you, Shelly. You should do these. You should do an article about it. Every time I talk to someone about privacy settings, it's, uh, Shelly, do, do you understand? It's like, what, what should I press? Like, which, what, what should I click? Which button should I press? Like, oh, really? So that's what's happening. People just, they want to care about it. They want to scream about it. But when it comes to taking control, it is too complicated. It's outside of the understanding of most people. Not because they couldn't understand it if they tried. It's that it's like, you need a whole bunch of education that will serve you another, no other way. It's like, why am I going to spend hours and hours and hours learning about this so I can click three of the right choices on a privacy policy I, I the over under doesn't work it's like what are they really doing they're putting the right ad in front of me screw it i'll just take the right ad or you know what i don't want to like i want to out let's just get me out of it and so that's really where we are and yeah, I think, but, yeah. but i still don't understand one thing like doesn't facebook want to realize that the narrative right now needs to be changed oh like really do, they, they don't they don't think that i i mean I'm not going to call for the end of it. Like I'll say like baseball is going to eventually be over because of nonsense, 
but there's enough negativity that I, I swear to you, Shelly, if I find a way to download my Facebook friends and their contact info, I will delete Facebook in a heartbeat. I realize that I don't know enough. There are enough professional contacts that I don't have their email, phone number, or any other way to reach them. I booked a bunch of guests for my shows through Facebook. Right. It's the only reason I have it. The rest of it can literally go F itself. I, I could care less. And the idea that Instagram does what it does knowingly and doesn't care is also lame. Yeah. And, and we had that discussion on text stream because I cannot tell my kids to drop Instagram because then they'd be the only kids in school that don't have it. And I'm not going to be that guy. But this argument about if you're going to change your brand to try to change a narrative, your narrative sucks right now. And they know it. So, and I'm not ripping them for it. I'm not even saying they're to blame for half of it, even though they are. The fact remains is that there are too many people thinking negative thoughts about Facebook. So change the color, change the logo, and change the look of it. Because the dumb people in this country will fall for it. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're, you're 100% right. That's first of all. But if I can weigh in on this a little bit, I know you're going big picture. That's what I'm saying. I no. knew you were going to go big picture. No, no. I'm not interested in their big picture. Right now, that blue thing on my phone is an albatross. It, it is and it isn't. The, the protests don't match the, da the data. In other words, everybody says, I'm going to delete Facebook, but they don't. Everyone says they're going to delete Instagram. Some people do, but most people don't. Some, oh, I don't use that. But meanwhile, they know every single thing that's going on through those apps. There's no replacement for Facebook from an advertiser's perspective. What makes their $86 billion a year, remember, they're ad-supported, fully ad-supported. They don't have a sponsorship model. They don't have a subscription model. They are strictly ad-supported, $86 billion a year worth of ads. So where does that come from? It comes from their ability to put the right message in front of the right person, right place, right time, and give you attribution for a sale. You know the dollar you spent on Facebook was a successful, invest, successfully invested dollar. And they, they give, now they do their own homework, so how accurate is it? But your sales have gone up, and you have an attribution metric that says, uh, I advertised on Facebook, and this happened. Now, people had to be there in order to interact with that advertising. They had to be, whether they say they're there or not, they had to be there or your ad couldn't have been successful. So as long as that's true, all of the things you and I are talking about are 95% BS and 5% BS. Where this gets crazy is that there are a handful of companies. They used to be known as FANG, right? Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. But Google's now Alphabet and Facebook's now Meta. And you got to add Tesla and you have to add Microsoft. And so the trillion dollar club, whatever the trillion dollar club looks like in big tech. If you say build better best, I'm it, going to scream. No, it's a, hand, <laughs> it's a handful of people who cannot be spoken to. Why? Because they represent somewhere, depending on how you look at it, six and $10 trillion of market cap. And they got there and you didn't and I didn't. So what does it matter what you or I think or anyone thinks? And the only thing that they're going to understand is what you said won't happen, which is, well, I would delete my app. I would tell my kids to do it, but I can't because, um, uh, you know, I can't. I, I would be the only, I'd be, I don't want to be that guy. So that's the issue, Seth. I, 
Okay. I, I just, I, I'd love on, on a, on a love very micro system. level, I, on a very micro level, what I would say, first of all, I, I propose this on this podcast. I, I even propose this to some of my students and I would encourage you to do the same. If they told you, you had to have a driver's license or a proof of 18 years old, like to buy cigarettes or to buy alcohol at 21, you cannot have an Instagram account until you're 18. Would anybody object? No. You would solve your whole teenage garbage in one second. In one day, you would, all you have to do is verify your age. Uh, and this account is disabled. Done. You could fix it. And what you do to the parents is you take the burden off of us. So you could fix, you could fix it all in, in two seconds. Oh, and, and before we wrap this podcast up, I do have to make fun of TikTok because I joke. <laughs> but this idea, this idea that you have these things, this negativity that is being told by mainstream media that we still watch and listen to. And Fox News has gone off on these companies. So has CNN. So has MSNBC. So it's going to somebody. Yeah, but you know what? Narrative. Yeah, but you know what, Seth? Look, every media company in the, quote, mainstream media, unquote, whatever that might be considered these days, competes viciously for the same ad dollars that Facebook has. So Facebook and Google are massive competitors. And in fact, the whole mainstream media revenue, all of it, if you added up all the mainstream media revenue, it's smaller than either Google or Facebook individually uh, by almost, uh, I don't know, three times, four times. It's, it's these these are insignificant organizations who are howling at the moon and, and calling out their biggest uh, competitor and the organizations that are most dangerous to them. And they want to see these guys dead for every reason that, you know, you would imagine it's a very competitive marketplace. There are only so many ad dollars to go around. And by the way, mainstream media has no way to compete from a data perspective. Big data is big data because uh, it's big data. There's lots of it. And the big tech organizations know how to turn that data into action. The mainstream media doesn't have that amount of data to begin with. And if they had it, they honestly would not know what to do with it. And look, this is my whole business. We consult mainstream media as you define it, as a lot of people do uh, internationally. And while they do have phenomenal ways to reach an audience and to create a beautiful emotional connection between a fan and a show and there's all kinds of good things that can happen from a communications perspective with linear television and a long form narrative. Do they do as do they do it as well as Netflix? Do, do they? Is that experience? Is there anything you can watch on commercial television that is the same experience as you would have in a scripted show on Netflix? Of course not. They can't come close. They don't have the tools. They don't have the methodology. They can't do it. Amazon Prime can't do it. They even Facebook Watch is a better experience than a commercial broadcast. And so these are all these guys are fighting each other tooth and nail. And what a lot of people don't understand, and I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't just harp on this. Let's get past Facebook's name change, which is completely press the digitation. This is just a distraction. It's just silly. Well, I know. You want to concentrate on something? Concentrate on the fact that you don't want it to be inevitable that six companies in the world control your data. Because once that's ultimately true, once you relinquish your brain, once you 
surrender to the idea that Facebook, Meta, Instagram, call it what you will, big tech owns 100% of your actionable data and you don't get a say in what happens to it. It's not the ads. People have to get away from this. Oh my goodness, Facebook put the right ad in front of me at the right time on Facebook or on Instagram. They, how dare they collect my data for that? Stop it. That's insanity. That is, I don't even know. Oh, my kids are on there. Okay, here's the thing. The bullying and the hate and the body shaming and all that, that's real and it is data driven and you need to hold them their feet to the fire for that. The stuff that everyone's not talking about because they don't understand, that same data set that comes off your credit cards, that comes off your debit cards, comes off your purchase decisions, comes off the, comes off the, the doing of life in the 21st century where you are electronically connected, that data is collected by third parties whose names you do not know is aggregated by a few names you do know, like TransUnion or Equifax. These organizations create profiles of you. You get scored. You've got nothing to say about it in any kind of respectful timeline. You write a note to TransUnion or Equifax. You might get an answer in a week or a month. And the, the change they put in might happen three months later. You're trying to buy a house, rent an apartment, get a job, do something. You've got no control. Do I ever hear anyone in Congress or the Senate say, wow, we have to rein in this third-party data collection and the aggregation of profiles about people that are actionable and used to really hurt them? That you never hear. Right. I'm not allowed to ask in a, in, an, in a job interview. I'm not allowed to ask your race. I'm not allowed to ask your gender. I'm not allowed to ask where you live. On your resume, you have to put none of that. You don't have to put your home address. So what do I do? I proxy your zip code. I proxy your IP address. I look at your credit score. And I take, now I have, I know where your mortgage is. I know what rent the landlord is. I know where you're spending your money. It's like, wow, all of a sudden I create a, a proxy for asking you a question that was rightfully probably prohibited when those questions were prohibited in the Equal Opportunity Employment Act or in the various do-gooder laws that were made to you know, protect people. But at the end of the day, they didn't realize that one day in the future, some engineer was going to use proxy data to approximate the answers to those questions, get it wrong, and give you no way to change it. And they won't even know how to change it if you tell them to change it, because no one knows where that proxy data lives because it's an algorithm that proxies who and what you are and gives you a score. That is so violently dangerous. That is so viciously against human beings living in the 21st century. And you hear nothing of it. All you hear about, well, they're, they're using my data to put ads in front of me. You morons. This is not the problem. It may be politically interesting. The only thing that got my attention with Facebook and Instagram ever were the, and by the way, this I didn't have to get this from Facebook, Seth. All you need to look is, do is look at the psychological and psychiatric medical literature, peer-reviewed studies of young people and old people, all people who were viciously destroyed by, uh, by social media addiction, by social media anxiety, by the, the incredible face bragging that just tortures people who aren't. It means like you look out in the world and you say, wow, I, I, I could have that and I don't. And it was different when you used to watch like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous 40 years ago or 30 years ago. And you go, wow, people who are rich live in mansions. But yeah, now it's your just friend. away. Yeah, I know, Robin Leach, may you rest yeah. in peace. But the thing is, it was it was one thing when somebody rich who was iconic had a house or a mansion, you know, on on the coast of, of the southern coast of France. 
Now it's your friend who's got, or someone you know, who's just richer or better or thinner or prettier or has cooler stuff than you. And you can't compute that. That's real. And I, I'm glad that that's up and in front and that's out there and being spoken about. But you got to stop talking about, not you, but I mean, the world's got to stop talking yeah. about this advertising data and get serious about the data that they need to be you know, held accountable for. And if they call it meta and they actually design a metaverse, and by the way, they have a great shot at getting what they call a metaverse out in front of you. And just on their size, Seth, you don't count someone out if three out of four people on the internet are on their site. I get it. You don't count them out, man. You just don't. I think I it's it. not going to work. Like this could be their one big spectacular, big swing and a miss, but it probably won't be. Uh, three minutes on TikTok before we wrap. Oh. So someone told me that I could increase uh, listenership in a podcast by putting clips of it and links on TikTok. How'd that work? Well, I haven't. Uh, I, I just started. Uh, so I joined. And I posted the Twitch Thursday night football thing that I'm doing. Yeah. Because there's video promos. Awesome. I mean, the audience is, is getting bigger. So hopefully that, that made sense. The for you page within 24 hours, all I saw were sexy girls scantily clad. What does TikTok know about me? Ha. <laughs> I, I thought of this question like I, I didn't want to do the whole episode on TikTok, but in 30 seconds, what does Facebook know about me? And now that I've clicked on Ted Lasso in The Sopranos, that's what it's showing. me. OK, first of all, I'm at Shelly Palmer five and we will, you will see that I have a quarter million uh, likes and 50,000 followers or so. I stopped doing TikTok every day a few months back because the comments were insane. Yep. A like is not a business outcome. And yeah. I was just the people there who would have increased my readership and my newsletter and our podcast. I don't believe that that was effective. Your other podcast, Sports with Friends and um, Hall, Hall of Justice. Yeah. Uh, those are, you know, Hall of Justice is, is comic oriented. Sports with Friends is a fantastic sports show. There are people who have a passion in sports, have a passion in uh, you know the DC universe, you will get you will get I think something good there. One thing I'll tell you when you do it, be very focused, super focused on getting value and being understood for one thing, the one thing and only one thing, so that when the minute they see your face and it's got to be a super close up, like just you, like headshot uh, shot, you know, vertically. Um, I'm much handsomer when it's just my face. No, no, that that'll work. As for what you see on your for you page. Uh, they take your birthday when you sign up for TikTok. You notice that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they just assumed I'm 47 year old male. Yeah. And so that's what I want to see. Uh huh. And you know what? Uh, they're right. They're right. I, no, I, look, <laughs> I, listen. It's terrible. It's you terrible, just, but it's you, you're shoving it down my face. Like, no, it, don't, yeah, you, you have can't. to. No, I, I've, I forced my TikTok to show me music and woodworking and movies. Woodworking. <laughs> I love some of the garbage. Nope. I've always wanted if, to have like a TikTok shop. TikTok can hear me. No on the woodworking. I'm not. I always wanted to have a shop in my garage. At first, I don't no longer have like a garage here in the city, Manhattan. Right, right, you know, right. I live in an apartment. But if, you know, <laughs> I, and of course in the country, it doesn't make any sense. But when I was a kid, I was so deep into like, you know, wood shop and all this. I worked in my dad's so music store and we repaired instruments and made guitars and fixed violins and cellos and made new guitars and electric guitars. I just, I like woodworking. So there are people who do incredible like crafts. There's also um, my granddaughters love Procreate. I don't know if you know that the um, iPad 
program procreate it's a yeah it's a drawing program an amazing drawing oh, program cool. so there are people who are so insanely talented so if you like enough of those all of a sudden right. so my feed is woodworking and music and uh, and procreate things and but they still throw in a bunch of young women uh, of questionable social standing oh God. Uh, offering things that they shouldn't offer i i think tiktok is uh that's just going to be that i don't know that they could ever get rid of that you know they just keep from a serendipity perspective the algorithm says all right well you're a certain age we'll try some of this if you hit like or if you linger on it for too long like you just have to swipe past well, that them. was it it's not even like it's just linger right. You just it's just you, linger. Yes. If you're if you're showing this to me, I will look at it. My name is Seth and I will confess. <laughs> well, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for <laughs> Tech Stream. Uh, we we metas are going to be uh, with you every Tuesday right here on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. Just make sure you rate and review. And if you linger on our podcast, we pop up on your for you page. <laughs> I couldn't do it with a straight face. <laughs> we'll see you next week, Shelly. All right, Seth.